the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. AV Week is produced and distributed through a partnership with AV Nation and Rave Publications. For more information, go to ravepubs.com forward slash AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 37, recorded Friday, April 13th, 2012. 5.8 trillion one. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. This is AV Week. AV AV Week. It's time for AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. I'm your host, Tim Albright. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, With us this week is George Tucker. He is, of course, the engineering coordinator of World Stage. How are you, sir? I am doing great. Glad to hear you guys. Uh, also with us again is Steve Greenblatt. Steve is the president and founder of Control Concepts. How are you, brother? Great. How are you? Doing Thanks well. Doing well. Uh, this week we're going to talk about the FCC with limits, and that makes me go, yay, because the FCC is the devil. And my name is George Tucker. FCC is the devil. <clears throat> uh, Google Goggles, which is just something kind of cool. The Extron, uh, the, big, the big guys that have, have stopped going to trade shows are going to be at NAB, so they stopped going to trade shows. Uh, And we're also going to talk about Samsung and an incredible uh, financial year that they had. But first, we're going to talk about a couple companies who haven't had such a good year. Um, Yeah, who do we start with first? Uh, George, who do you want to go with, Sony or or Best Buy? Because they're kind of in the same marriage, a weird, you know... um, uh, polygamy marriage when it comes to consumer electronics here. Let's start with Sony because I like you know converting the yen to uh, to dollars. That's so great. You said you were me, so go right ahead. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sony has a record five hundred twenty billion yen loss. For those of you um, keeping score at home, a bit a, a yen is about one point two cents. Uh, and I don't want you to get out your your uh, calculator because a lot of you are driving while you're listening to this, and that would cause a wreck, and I would feel bad. Um, you're, you're looking at eh, roughly somewhere in the neighborhood of about six point four billion dollars. Damn. They also laid off ten thousand people, but that you know that was because they lost you know five hundred twenty billion yen. George, we've talked about these guys in the last six months a awful lot, and it's not ever any any of it been good. Uh, at least I don't remember any of it being good, and, and and I'm not trying to be sarcastic there or, or pessimistic, but we really kind of talked about how this once great giant and this once great company is is kind of been a caric- have have they become a caricature of themselves, where they've had this many losses in a row or this many misses in a row. Are they on the ropes? Is this kind of like, you know, the last great death throes of Sony? You know, there's suspicion in my heart that that's what's happening here, is that they're sort of trying to find a way to cast off what they know they can't sell and then try to sell off some stuff. Um, It's true. I mean, Sony has been 
really an example of how not to do business, it seems. They... My, my biggest impression going over some of the stuff, and I found a blog post or a blog about, you know, the failures of Sony, and they listed out this litany of stuff. And there was some defense of it saying, well, you know, a big company like this developing, they'll have, they'll, they're bound to have these. But they made such investments in some of this stuff. And really what they were trying to do is force the market to come to them rather than giving the market what they wanted. And I think it's finally caught up with them. You know, I mean, I'm almost bored to talk about Sony anymore because they really are just <laughs> from from PlayStation from the PlayStation Network being hacked mm-hmm. twice, three times, lady, twice not telling anyone about it, <laughs> to to their failures in their MP3 players. I mean, this is something Sony should have been able to excel at. It should dominate it, even if it was Apple dominate. They should be like neck and neck with Apple for goodness sakes. They have they own the media. They own movie studios. They own record studios or uh, recording studios mm-hmm. and and artists associations. How can they not succeed? Someone's really just let this go. They but, just put it out the pasture and said, "Okay, you know, it's done." Okay, let me let me play the devil's advocate for a second there. They've given us what they wanted in the past and we gobbled it up i mean they they're the ones who said let's let's create this this portable music called a walkman nobody ever thought of that before nobody ever said hey i'd like to you know walk around with my music before they gave us that not you know consumers over here saying hey i'd like that well i think that's one of those projects if i'm i may be wrong but i believe that's one of those projects that the upper echelon of sony said absolutely not and someone did it in secret and they went whoa that's cool it's selling look at that (laughs) You know, it's sort of like the Volkswagen bug coming out again the second time. Didn't they do that in secret for a little while? Yeah. And this may be an example of a corporation really starting to say, well, that's okay. You got away with it before, and it was a success. Thank you very much. But now we're really locking you down, and they may have just, you know, killed the golden goose in a way. It just – it really does amaze me where they've just the, – the, the, the breadth and depth of idiocy, to, to, to really be blunt. <laughs> Has left me saying, you know, I don't really look at them anymore for anything. Steve, is this? Um, should we mourn this? I mean, should we? Besides, let's take. I don't want to take all the fact that you know, ten thousand people lost their jobs. That's that's never a good thing. Uh, but on the on the industry, let's say the the, the ten thousand foot foot view of this, should we be mourning the loss or the 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 struggles that Sony has, or should we say, okay, you know what? It, we're in a market-driven economy. They've made some really boneheaded decisions. This is the results of that. Well, I, I'm sure that they've done a lot over the years to to really set the standard, and and they've always been the name and the big guy. But it's it's. I think that that strategy doesn't work anymore. They they uh, you, you can you have to change with the times, and I think that they seem to have stopped innovating. And uh, I, I think. Especially in, in bad economic times, the the most expensive isn't necessarily going to be the best choice. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> and that was one thing that, that Sony had, wasn't it? Is they were the marquee. They were the the premium. The other day, um, we do a daily show with with Gary call Gary K uh, from Rave Publications, the the guys who who host our content. Uh, it's called the Daily Rave. It comes out. Usually on a daily basis, sometimes not so much, but um, most of the time on a, on a daily basis. And we were talking about this very thing. Sony has an entire line of, let's call it premium grade commercial gear. Uh, I want to say it was called the ES series, right? I had never heard of this. Most people have never heard of this because Sony deems it too 
um, you know, too elite for the masses. <laughs> and it's just kind of that attitude, right? Where this is our stuff. This is how much it costs. And if you can't afford it or you don't, you know, find out about it, well, that's fine because we're Sony. Apple can still get away with that. I, I don't know that Sony can anymore. But but is really Apple pricing themselves out of the market? I think that they they do have market sensitivity and they, yeah. they are staying competitive w- with with I guess PCs or alternatives to their products. Um, but but I agree with what you're saying. No, they, that, that's they, valid though. You're right because you're right. Sony Apple isn't so far out uh, of, of the range. You're right. Yeah, they're in the higher end, but they're still you're right within within market market uh, market limits. Uh, on my on my rundown sheet, I have uh, Sony's in trouble and Best Buy's in trouble. So that's the next place we'll go. Well, one more point with yes, so- mm-hmm. Sony too. Can can you look at them and parallel them to Research in Motion with the BlackBerry? Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, BlackBerry was the top dog for quite some time, and and I I just think that they stopped innovating. Well, and I think some of that also. I mean, you, you took a look at the playbook, and nothing against the playbook. It was a it was a, a good effort. It just wasn't what you know the market wanted. And I think back to George's point, um, some companies that's what they need. That's what they they need their their business model to be. Some guys can be Steve Jobs and not do market research and say this is what I'm going to make, and people are going to follow me and buy what I make. Uh, other guys and other companies just need to you know what this is what the market says it wants. And maybe that's where Sony is now, finally, after you know however many years. All right. Either that or they need to come out with something revolutionary again, like the Walkman, yeah. and, and, and create the demand. And then they can price it as they please as long as, long as they have the demand. Okay, but, but to that, um, there are some guys that, that work there, and, and this is a couple of buddies of, of Gary Case, who said about once a year, actually he said in April um, every year, they have a reorganization, and you're never in the same job for more than a year. That's a corporate culture thing, where you're never in the same position for more than a year. There's no longevity there. There's no long-term thinking there. Because if you're going to be, you know, Steve, this, this year you're going to be our, our touch panel design guy, and George, this year you're going to be our coding guy. But in 12 months, you're going to switch. <laughs> you know? Where does that leave you? Because then all you're doing is you're putting your nose to the grindstone. You're putting your nose down. There's some productivity there. I'll give them that. But you know what? Steve, when you go to Infocom this year, you don't care what the freaking next generation of touch panels are going to be. And, George, you couldn't give a a rat's whatever what the next processor is going to be because you're going to be doing something else next year. Well, I mean, there's a point to be made. There's a point to be made that says you would understand more about what your associate or related in engineering you know departments are doing therefore you can all work tighter because you understand the processes or something but at some point it has to stop and you say this person's really good at that we can't lose them for this i don't understand that rotation thing i don't either <clears throat> and again you know, some of that's a cultural thing too i was going to say is it a japanese thing yeah and that's could, good you know could that be something that's holding them back it hasn't stopped them yet, you know, and that's the thing. That's the weird thing is, and maybe maybe that's what I'm trying to wrap my brain around is what what happened, <laughs> you know, what happened to my Walkman and my Beta Deck guys, um, mm. and my Mini Disc guys. I think you know, I'm not going to be- bemoan a, a dead technology, but I thought that was a freaking awesome piece of 
piece of machinery. But that's my old radio. At the radio very thing. end of it, it was a really good machine. My the f- beginning mini discs sucked. But near the end, I mean, even the guy Stephen St. Croix from Mix Magazine, the Pro Pro Audio Magazine, started to sing its praises. I would take um, issue but, that it it sucked in the beginning. I thought that thing freaking awesome, even uh, in the beginning, know. even in the beginning. You know, so. I'm not a golden ear, but it squashed things. All right, it did. <laughs> but the fact that I could edit on the same—sorry, I'm not going to get into. But it was a it was a great thing for radio. You're talking to an old radio guy, so that was. That thing right there was like one of the – before MP3 recorders, that thing was golden. Okay. Mm. That, right. it was, that was the era that, I'm, that I'm, I came in. All right. So let's talk about Best Buy. Um, a couple weeks ago, they announced that they were closing 50 stores, 50 of their big box stores. And then they said, kind of in the same breath, but we're going to open these kind of little boutiques, right? We're going to focus on more, you know, fewer products and this, that, and the other. Well – this week, <laughs> um, a couple different things happened. They lost their CEO and their CFO. Um, they rejected a, or the 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 uh, the, the company um, are, are uh, they're suggesting or, or advising their investors to reject a tender offer from TRC Capital. What I mean, Steve, is this? Is this kind of what is Best Buy reaping some of its own seeds? Because they came in, and one of the stories says, I should say this. One of the stories said, uh, Best Buy has said that internet sale internet sales have um, kind of decimated Best Buy. I mean, people will go in and shop at Best Buy, and then go online and buy it at Amazon. Um, so they're kind of doing to Amazon and the internet is kind of doing to Best Buy what Best Buy did to integrators who, you know, people like our buddy, you know, Matt Scott up in London, Ontario would go, you know, uh, pitch a, a system and they'd see this 50-inch plasma for, let's say, $3,000 because it was a commercial version and this, that, and the other, and then go to Best Buy and buy it for 1000 So are they reaping some of that or is this just kind of, you know, business, you know, the cyclicalness of business in, in the last, uh, the last, the last, results or the last um effects of the of the uh, down economy i think that we're seeing a lot of companies and, and industries moving from products to services so i could see where that makes a lot of sense and i personally i still think that there's a need to have stores and there's a need to to be able to walk in and see something and and have it hands-on um you know one of just something i actually heard on the radio earlier this week is that the way stores are counteracting some of this internet pressure is that they're going to be offering coupons for people who are actually in the store at that time. Oh, wow. And I thought that, thought that was an interesting idea. Uh, maybe it's hmm. you have to check in or something of that nature, but may, at least they're, they're understanding and they're try, trying to um, offset this, this pressure. Best Buy actually has a website and an online presence and but but it's just not that good i don't think and i don't know if if people are truly price shopping or they're just not finding what they want on 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 their online store um but another way to look at it too is is the idea of having just good customer service a good return policy and i i kind of think that best buy may be taking their eye off the ball a bit 
Yeah. George, what's going on with Best Buy? I mean, in your estimation, besides the CEO going bye-bye? Uh, well, the CEO, by the way, is going bye-bye because it just came out a few hours ago that uh, he was he resigned because of uh, some internal investigation about inappropriate um, activities. Read into that what you will. What? Yeah. No. Yeah. That never happens. No, it doesn't. No, never happens. Um, That being said, um, I'm going to pick up on on what what Steve was saying, though. It's like my experience in Best Buys have never, and I mean never, been positive. Really? I have never found a staff person who knew what they were talking about. And and I want to be clear here. You know, we in the professional integration side can mock all we want, the big box retail employees who get minimal training, if any. <clears throat> but this was just – I've had horrible customer service. I actually went into the Magnolia store within a store once, and I was seriously looking to buy some stuff. All right. This, you know, and I was like, all right, I want to, I want to upgrade. I want to go in and I want to get somebody to do my system and I don't have enough to do a custom installation, but I might be able to do this. I went into three, I want you to count three independent Best Buys in the Westchester area, each with a Magnolia store in it. I was only asked for if I needed help once. The, The other two, no one even showed up. There was nobody there. The third time, the guy asked me only after I was there for about 45 minutes looking at the stuff and fiddling with the knobs. Yeah, but, but so, you, you, you shouldn't have worn your World Stage shirt. Yeah, no, okay. <laughs> we, we have those, by the way. You can buy them online. Really? Um, but, yeah, well, soon. <clears throat> Not yet. Get your pre-order in now. Could, could I get um, one just, just to... You know. For you? Of course. <laughs> and yet a quad, quad X. They're in black. We don't have purple, by the way. Oh, black's so, perfect. anyway... <clears throat> um, or lavender? What color was it? Oh, be <clears throat> quiet. Keep going. <laughs> but here's my problem with Best Buy, and it's with what a lot of the other stores have a problem with. Like, I won't go into a PC Richards, which is a local here on the West, uh, East Coast. Uh, uh, Thank video. you for clarifying that because I had never heard <clears throat> of that before. Yeah, it's sort of like a fry, fries are on the West Coast mostly, and PC Richards is this sort of local New York thing. Okay. Um, and they used to be really good, but nowadays whenever I walk into one, which is now uh, probably ages since I've gone, is that you were assaulted by salespeople. Can I help? Can I help? Can I help? Can I help? I said no once. I'll ask you when I want okay, help. Okay, so wait a minute, though. I... You know, I mean, you get this either over-eager, commission-driven sales guys who are rabid to get you to buy something from them, or at least have their boss look like they're actually doing something. And then you got misinformation and lack of knowledge, and then just laissez-faire, lackadaisical. They're like, nobody's in a Magnolia store? Okay. Nobody? So which would you rather have, though, George? Because you're, you're, you're complaining about both extremes. <laughs> mm-hmm. so which one do you want you want like this what perfect the utopian saying, middle hey. well yes <laughs> because no and this is important there is the initial contact of can i help you not yet I'm, I'm not sure what i'm looking for if you need help let us know but most of these stores policies is don't let the client out the door without selling something they you know cash must leave their wallet and you know what? When, when you don't know what you're talking about or you're overly aggressive and trying to push something on me, I'm going to leave yeah. or I'm not going to buy. Or if I did buy, I'm going to regret it the minute I walk out the door. And I think this is a lot of what's been happening. I mean I loved Best Buy for the reason that I could go and I could go online. They have it in the store. Good. I go pick it up. Mm-hmm. Done. I'm in. I'm out. I don't even have to talk to anybody except for the guy at the counter that takes my money. That's it. And some but of that – it just became a pain. But isn't some of that though the the nature of us guys in the industry who you know what I'm I'm not going to spend a thousand bucks on a Blu-ray player that that you know a commercial grade one but I'll do my research and figure out which 
which which consumer grade one is the best one for me, and I'll go and buy it. Yeah, but people do that anyway with the reviews online. I mean, they can be they can be gamed a little bit, but that's really what they're doing. Because I got to tell you what, the people who are rating the stuff on Amazon know a darn sight more than the than the sales clerks in the audio division or the video department of Best Buy. Yeah, that is true. And it's just true. And again, customer service. You, you're, you're mocking me about the middle of the road, but there's a certain <laughs> level of giving me the respect to, to to tell you when I want something, and then being there when I want and getting it right. And if you're not going to do those, then what what point is it? I mean, I might as well go into a bakery and say, yes, I'll have the cheesecake and I get a loaf of bread. I, that, but see, that's what I do. That's weird. <laughs> that is what I do. Um, fantastic bread. I must insist. It's fantastic bread. Uh, Steve, is this we, – we, we've talked about before, you know, Best Buy. At one point we talked about it. I, I don't know that it's a, it's a fair conversation now. But about Best Buy selling things that would compete with – you know, control system people and, and, and just getting more and more into the residential type stuff. Um, does that kind of put a hamper on this? Does this whole downsizing almost a Best Buy kind of put them into, you know, a, um, a boutique type, you know, stuff, a boutique store, as it were? What I think it could could end up doing, because I, I think that really the geek squad is, is what's holding things and maybe what where their future is at could actually make them more custom and move them away from the boxes and and actually it could have a greater impact on our industry honestly if if they start to to provide a lot more services and and provide the 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 customized approach and and the hand holding and and the relationship building that that we provide as as professionals in our industry if if they try to take that approach as uh, in these smaller stores it you know, maybe we're going to see uh, them creeping into our our domain. I'm not sure. Oh, so you're saying that that this kind of this drawback is more to do an AVI SPL ish type thing, where they've got the they've got the offices. Now all they have to do is train their guys and and create and provide more services than actual just boxes. Yeah, I, I think that everybody's hmm. realizing that 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 the boxes are not where the profit is. No, no, they're not. We did a, a story uh, a day, I think today actually. Uh, Epson just released a three thousand lumen projector for around five hundred bucks. So yeah, there's your box. Wow. If you're, if well, you're, I mean, you could also take the tact of um, is it John? I always get his name wrong. Sakaya, Sakata, John Sakata writes. He's on Twitter. Uh, he often writes though about John, how he gets Sakata. That's a Sakata. It's a cicada, you know, whatever. Tomato. Tomato, tomato. tomato. What do you want from me? What do you want from me? Um, but uh, he was often tweeting, though, about, yeah, I know, uh, often uh, writing about how, like, Best Buy just got him a new job because some client walked in and got totally frustrated. And called, didn't, didn't he call him or tweet him from, from Yeah, tweet him Best saying, Buy? I yeah. need your help. Come, 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 let me come to your office and buy something now. Yeah. You know, I mean, so you know, they're not doing themselves any favor still. It could be they, they maybe they provide the marketing. They they get people yeah. interested and then we make the sales. There you go. See that they, that's the see the service industry they want to be is the middleman thing. The redirection trick, right? <laughs> John Cicada is the new member of the of the Geek Squad. Sorry. <laughs> a mole. A mole. There, there was a nice Chuck, program. You know what? I I'm sorry, every time I think of the Geek Squad I think of Chuck, so there you go. Hey. CNBC had a nice program on Best Buy where they talked a lot about the Geek Squad and so forth and and just what that's done for the company. It's probably a little outdated now 
given the recent turn of events, but it, it you know, that, that, that's really what they were talking about is just, you know, moving into that realm and, and, and how that that's kept them in the game. All right. Well, let's, let's, let's turn the page here um, and talk about a positive company and somebody who is making money. <laughs> Um, Samsung, this is from the New York Times, Samsung Electronics, the world's top technology company, again, that's the Times saying that, not me, by revenue, posted record quarterly operating profit of 5.8 trillion won on booming sales of its Galaxy uh, smartphones and on the Note. Um, yeah, that's a lot of money. Um, basically, Samsung's uh, profit between January and March, uh, and I guess the, the 5.8 trillion won is the equivalent of $5.1 billion. I just like saying 5 trillion you know, won. It just sounds better. You have your pinky next to your mouth. I do, $5 trillion. <laughs> All right, let's let's not, not mince words here. Samsung is kind of, they're, they're, they're becoming a player in, in a whole lot of different areas, including our backyard. When Extron uh, stepped off and uh, stepped away from Infocom as one of the platinum sponsors, Samsung is the company that came in. Uh, they've got a lot of stuff going on, and... It doesn't look like anybody's going to slow them down for the time being. George, is this you know this is good news for us? I'm 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 guessing, and I'm asking you: this is this good news? Uh, as you know, one of the major players in the AV industry, Samsung, um, is it? It's a good thing, right? That they made five billion dollars last quarter. Yeah, I don't see why not. <laughs> um, first of all, I was shocked. I was shocked, and I know that sounds almost sarcastic, but. I was shocked that they actually made that much money. Um, it is a good thing. Although if you look at some of the article, a bit of that money comes from selling stuff to um, Apple. <clears throat> so they're selling displays and uh, uh, screens and stuff to, to Apple, it appears. So they're making a good penny of their profit off of that. So is that really stepping in our backyard? Mm, not so much. No, um, but but their coffers are being filled with with five billion dollars. You know, I'm, yes. and, you know, and, and a lot of the a lot of guys in our industry are in other industries. Uh, we talk about Panasonic and that whole Sanyo deal, and and that went through a couple weeks ago. And that was more about car batteries, you know, electric car batteries, than it was about displays. Mm. So, but still, you know, the money is there, and, and they're still, you know, the, that money will find its way to our industry some way, shape, or form. Yes. Through you know research and development, through marketing, through new products, one would think. I mean, again, they're saying the Galaxy Note is selling like crazy, and I'm I'm getting shocked by that. <laughs> I, yeah, those too. Right, their tablets. I'm sorry, of Note. The, the, what is it called? It's the Galaxy, uh, the Galaxy smartphone. Sorry, mm-hmm. uh, are actually selling, and those little 10 inch tablets that nobody believes in seem to be taking off. That's where it's going to affect our business, right? Just like with the um, the Steve, just like what the iPad did. I mean, this may be the next sort of tertiary uh, level. Of uh, of our installations, where they may not want an iPad for their touchscreen, but these galaxies might just fit the bill for a lower uh, a lower uh, valued uh, installation. Yeah, Steve, that's that's kind of what your that's what your wheelhouse is: control systems and touch panels and stuff. Is that something you see? Is having to integrate stuff like you know and Android things from Samsung uh, and the and the mobile devices? Every job 
every job. <laughs> Yeah, the every every job it's asked for the, right now. I'm not saying that every job is getting them, but every job it, it's in the conversation, and uh, it and sometimes they lead with it, sometimes they come back later and ask for it, but it, it's definitely there and and more than ever. And it, and everything from the user interface, the ease of use, to why can't I replace this touch panel that costs me so much more and does so much less with this cool, slick device that I love. And uh, it's, it, it, it's more and more. I don't think that we've had you on, Steve, since we, had, we talked with Randy Klein from, from Crestron. I kind of asked him the same question. I said, is this going to eat into, uh, basically, does, does, the, does the mobile stuff eat into, you know, uh, I think the list price on a on a TPS six X um, is about three thousand ish dollars, and that you know round numbers there. And he said no. He said you know that, that he has a Crestron system in his house. I was shocked at that. Uh, and <laughs> uh, he, he made the comment. Who knew? He said, yeah, who knew? Um, I figured it was an you know Aurora control system in his house. Um, <laughs> and um, I'd like to get a picture of that. He said before I get in trouble, let me finish this. Um, he said, you know, he'll sit. He's sitting in bed at night reading his iPad, and he said, you know, I want to turn off the lights, or I want to do this and then the other. He goes, that's what that's good for. He goes, I, I don't want to have to, you know, fire up my iPad to you know change the channel or you know vo- you know re- reduce the volume that, of, of the TV I'm watching. Um, you know, he goes for stuff like that. That's what you know. Touch panels are for are you know what they're they're one use devices. Yes, the the, the mobile stuff is great. Yes, the mobile stuff is cool. Uh, but it's just one more um, piece of the arsenal. What would you say to that? Um, I, I I definitely respect where he's coming from, and and you know my take on it is that it's it's important to have backups and it's important and and i think that when you have a, a complete crestron solution and that's i know one of the things that randy discussed uh, having their touch panel and having their processor they're guaranteed to work together and now when you're dealing with a, a, a mobile device you're introducing more variables into the picture you're introducing the the app that has to run the, the connection between the the device and the processor um although I think it's very cool, and I think that there are different ways that you can look at it. Um, there, there are there there are uses for both. I, I don't want to take the easy way out in the answer, but I but but you know personally, I I um, I, I really think the mobile devices are going to need to be considered in the picture a lot more than they have been. Yeah, and that, and I would agree with that. The only problem with those things, and, and like you were sort of uh, talking about when Randy was talking about it, was, <coughs> excuse me, was that supporting that from a tech support sector really does become really difficult. What is their OS that they're in? What version of it? What model do they have? What you know? Uh, w- what age is it? Did, you know, and all these things that you have to then step back, try to figure that out first, because that's going to be the more convoluted. But you don't really have a solution to it. You can't say, oh, we have the firmware for that that updates the. <laughs> the iPhone or the uh, the iPad to fix it. So it does. It's a great convenience, but it really does when you're out of the ecosystem become problematic when something goes amiss. Oh, just blame you know the the end user and. <laughs> Another thing that we can look at too, and is that eControl has been around for a long time. We've mm-hmm. all, we've been able to to use web page web based control for these systems far before the mobile 
devices or smartphones were on the scene. And that really never replaced the touch panel. So if that's any indication that I mean, you, you, you know, you could have had a, a cool tablet or some alternative, a, a cheaper alternative to control your system with the web page and people were still putting in touch panels. And I think the web pages are underutilized personally that we, we can do more things and, and we could, we can use it as an alternative point of control. And I, I don't think that, that it's, it's really achieved its potential. Uh, but if that, that would be another way of looking at uh, possibly the impact that the mobile device has and, and you know, the fact that the touch panel still remained as the, the central point and, and the, the tried and true reliable device. No, and that's that's actually a very good point, Stevie. Because you're right, we've had it. We've had it be where we we could put it on, you know, web pages and serve them up and put little icons and little you know direct uh, connects on on our desktop. And you're right, they haven't gone away. You know, because whether it's in the classroom or the boardroom, people just want one. You know, they want a centralized control. You know, where they can walk in and you know what happens if I if I forget my what happens if I forget my iPad so, or my iPhone or whatever so. Or if the app gets updated or upgraded on you and you lose connectivity, which which unfortunately happened recently. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, let's talk about trade shows, shall we? Uh, this next week in Las Vegas, Nevada, the National Association of Broadcasters show will uh, will unveil and and descend upon the wonderful people of Las Vegas. Actually, the conference, the exhibits, the 16th through the 19th of, of this next week. And I, I know a lot of guys who go to NAB. I've never been. I wish, you know, one year I do intend on making it out there because I, I think it's a good show. It's a big show. Um, about a month or so ago, uh, External Electronics, a premium sponsor of the Infocom show, uh, released a statement saying that, you know what, we're going to focus on... Um, our, our training, our local training, our local offices, uh, we're going to kind of pull back from Infocom and from IES for, for the time being. We're not going to go to any trade shows. Uh, we're just going to focus on our local our local um, training. And um, I guess also technically um, the NAB show, which not, isn't really a trade show, mind you. It's, it's more of a gathering. It's kind of a, a training, you know. I'm being sarcastic here. It's a freaking trade show. Um, and I'll, I'll preface all this by saying I like Extron. I like their products. I have a lot of friends that work at Extron. But something doesn't smell right here. And this is where this little journalist in the back of my brain lives going, okay, this does not add, you know, one plus one does not add up to two. I'm going to give my two cents. You guys can you guys can comment if you would like, or you can recuse yourself if you'd like, without any you know jabs from me at least. Uh, Andrew Edwards is a is a nice gentleman. Uh, I've, I've I've had lunch with him at at, at the Anaheim uh, office before when I went out there for training. Very nice guy, smart guy. He, he's done a lot of good things in this industry. I, I, but I don't know what's going on here, and but something is. When you make a, a really, you know, a, not a show, but you, you make the point of writing a very nice letter and a very nice press release saying, we're going to focus on this and we're going to focus on this, and, and, we're not, and because of this, we're not going to go to any trade shows, at least the biggest one in our industry. But he said, you know, we're not going to do trade shows. And then turn around and go to a trade show. Uh, 
that just doesn't add up. And I, I have no inside information. I have nothing but my gut. But something doesn't add up. Um, and that's my own little rant. But yes, Extron will be at the NAB show starting April 16th. Uh, so if you're going and you would like to see Extron at a trade show, uh, don't go to Infocom. Go to NAB. That's it. Yeah. I To quote Shakespeare, something is rotten in the state of Denmark. It's not in I'm Denmark. Not quite, it's in Vegas. Yeah, well, it lost wages. <laughs> The, the press wages. release was was pretty clear in saying that they're not doing uh, Infocom and IES, right? They but they didn't say anything about the other shows. I know, but but wasn't it okay? Maybe it you wasn't implied, but I implied it. Maybe no, but I think the way that the the, the letter was written, you were it was the implication yeah. that you were led to come to your own conclusion was. Trade shows aren't really doing it for us. Therefore, we're going this route because we think it's more, far more bang for the buck for what we want to do. Yes, he didn't say specifically NEB. He didn't call out CES. He didn't call out EHX. <laughs> but I don't know, man. Something makes me feel like – I don't want to say it's I took my ball home. I'm feeling like maybe maybe somebody said that court's not yours. I don't know. Something, something strange. Yeah. Maybe they, maybe somebody complained about Thunderstruck last year, which was the opening act of their party. Well, I mean, here's the deal. If it is that and if there is something else going on politically or something happening, it, to not say it in a way that doesn't sound like you're being whining but still say, here's the deal, guys. We're not, we're not happy with this, so we think we have a better route now because of this situation. You're going – if you don't – if that comes out and it's true, you're going to do more damage – to well, your you, PR and to your to your marketing than you would positive by just trying to cover it up. Oh, you you are because here's the thing you you have Extron. Let's say Extron has a lot of rabid fans. As many rabid Crestron guys there as, as there are, there is or as many rabid Extron guys, and there's as many rabid AMX guys. And I'm not trying to single anybody out, but they have a lot of rabid fans. There are guys who are who are dyed in the wool um, Extron guys, and they won't really you know touch anything else. And I think if there was something weird or something where, you know, they didn't like something or, or whatever, you sick the Extron army on whoever it was. Um, and I think that would, you know, it, it would at least endear you to uh, your your camp and endear you to to the people who do think of your of your company so so well and, and are, you know, ardent fans. Um, I, I don't know. That's that's my two cents on, on that part. Because I think if there was something weird and it was something where they weren't happy, dude, you know, this is this is 2012. You know, you've got an entire social network of people who follow you and, and would, would, you know, follow you to the ends of the earth. And, you know, they'd get on every social network that they had access to to, you know, trumpet your cause. So, yeah. Well, what is their presence in NAP? I've, I've not... It, an attendee of that show, and I don't. I mean, at Infocom, obviously, they were one of the well, big yeah, sponsors, and, and you know, had the big presence, I, the I, big party, and so forth. Well, that's a valid thing, Steve, uh, because you're right. It's just a booth. I mean, it's not like they're, they're a platinum sponsor. But that's something I said when the when this came out from from Andrew Edwards that that they were stepping away altogether. I said, don't step away altogether. If you don't want to do the party, fine. Don't do the party. You know, I I, I get it. It's a lot of money. 
you know, if you don't want to do the the huge booth, don't do the don't do the huge booth. If you don't want to be a platinum sponsor, fine, don't do that. But at least come to the show. You know, at least show your wares. At least you know interact with the thirty thousand or so people that are going to be there. That you know what, a lot of them would planned their 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 trips around coming to see you and meeting face to face with the people they talk to on the phone all year. Um, and that's why even at the time I said, you know, there's something weird here. Uh, and now there's something weird even more. I mean, this just kind of adds credence to that. And again, I don't have any inside information. I don't know anything other than the fact that something, you know, like George says, something doesn't smell right here in Denmark or Denver or wherever it was. Sure. I, 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 I definitely agree. I, I, as I know, there are, they are going to have people at the show for whatever reasons, but, um, obviously, w- you know, without a booth, maybe they have something else in mind. Picketing? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Extron occupies Infocom. That, y'all! That would be awesome. <laughs> uh, we had uh, we had Tim, Tim Schnabel on, on this show a couple weeks ago. And, you know, what? I said this without even thinking after we had him off because we was trying to hook up uh, with him. And I said something to the effect of, uh, Tim Schnabel is one of the education guys from, from Extron. I said, okay, you know, I said, I know you're kind of be busy the week of Infocom, uh, but do you have some time, you know, to, to get together? And it was like this dead silence with crickets in the background. And I took me a second to realize, oh yeah, you're not going. And it really wasn't on purpose at all. I swear. So, all right. Uh, from our buddies over at Rave Publications, A-T-M-E-L, and I'm going to assume that's Atmel. Uh, is debuting a flexible touch display. Uh, if you want to buy stock on the company, by the way, it's NASDAQ symbol ATML. Uh, but they're not really, really well known. Um, they are sending out beta samples of what they're calling X-Sense. Uh, it's a highly flexible film-based touch sensor. So, Steve, you have a flexible touch screen. Do you have any applications for this at all, or is this kind of something, not a gimmick, but but kind of something neat that you can do, but there's not any real practical applications to it? Well, I think if we use our imagination, it could be very cool, <laughs> but I we haven't seen anything like it yet, um, and so therefore I, I can't really say uh, I have ideas in mind, but uh, I, I, w- I was thinking about how... You, just the fact that it bends and being able to contour it, which is part of what's discussed in the article, and and just the slickness of it and how it's going to have this sleek design. The first thing that came to mind was, again, we're going to see more pressure on the control manufacturers to come out with cooler devices, uh, or maybe they are they're going to purchase the, these screens or or this component from this from uh, this company and and maybe maybe this is what we're going to see in the future that would be really cool yeah somebody like like amx or or or, or, or extron or crestron um doing something like this george is this is there a a good real world use for this um i have i've seen a couple times where you know professors have pushed their fist through <laughs> different uh, touch panels so that would be one use case you know you have a very angry um, physics professor, let's say, um, and uh, he's he's put his fist through more than one touch panel. You could put that in there. That would be very fun. It's almost that would almost be like a comic book. Yeah, 
Oh, yeah. um, actually, I'm going to call it here. At the end of our year-end show, I called OLED. It's going to be the year of the OLED. And mm-hmm. if they come out with this, all right, I'm not quite there, but I'm going to call it a near miss. This could change things a lot. Yeah. If it can be and it's durable and it's not like fra- glass-jawed, fra- you know, fragile, hey, put it around a, co- a column. You don't need to put it on the wall. You can put it around the column, and two people can use it at once if it's got multi-touch. Yeah. Um, you can do all kinds of cool stuff. Now, their, their sort of promotional video reminds me of um, an inappropriate, how inappropriate you can market something, just like Twitter did when they were early came out. They had no idea what they wanted to do with it, so they put out this video that didn't quite make sense. <clears throat> um and if you watch the video, people, when you're listening, it, it's just – it's I don't know what they were doing there. But I like this a lot because you don't have to carry everything. And you know what? You could be like Woody Woodpecker when he gets in trouble and he takes the house oh, and closes the shutters and everything <laughs> goes down to one little box yeah. and throws in the ocean. Um, I, I like it a lot. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call it, and I think that this has lots of potential for that kind of stuff. Wow. Well, let, let's move from that on to the next story about multi-touch. Uh, Steve sent us this story, how multi-touch can save your life. Dun dun dun! Uh, it's a it's a floor that will detect if you have a heart attack. Not that any of us are of the age that we need to worry about that <clears throat> at all. <clears throat> um, at least according to my doctor, you know, I just need to lose weight and eat more uh, wheat germ. So, um, but uh, <laughs> it's a it basically what it is. Uh, it's from IBM which I'm not shocked at that in any way, shape, or form. And it's a multi-touch display. And this thing, Georgia, we've talked about this before where, you know, putting an RF uh, device in your pocket and, and having the, the home automation system detect how fast you're walking will determine, you know, and, and using that information to turn on various, you know, various types of lights. If you're walking really fast, well, it's only going to light up the, the floor lights. If you're If you stopped for a second, it will illuminate the entire room. This would do something similar to that, yes, in addition to so. the heart attack. Yeah, thing. one would think so, I think. But the, the I'm kind of creeped out about the, the biometrics stuff. <laughs> like you can tell if you're having a heart attack or something. I, I, I don't know about it. It seems intrusive, you know? I mean, what else will it know I'm doing eventually? You know, does it really need to know that I was, you know, cleaning my ear out or something? I mean, <laughs> I, I, I'm afraid of it more than I am intrigued by it. I, I really... Um, I have my doubts about it. Uh, Steve, you're, you're the one that, that kind of picked up on this. Is this a cool thing? Is this something we can start integrating into a, a Crestron system or an Extron system? I'm not sure how it's going to impact AV, but I think it's very cool. Yes. <laughs> the idea is for, as far as detecting the heart attack is they, they're – if they all of a sudden see a a body lying on the floor, that's when you know for a certain amount of time, if they detect that 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 surface area, I guess that then they notify security or notify the emergency services, and and that's the the approach that it's taking. But I, I don't know. I think it has some cool cool ideas, and it can be used instead of some motion sensors uh, to to be able to to maybe detect occupancy or, or, or for, for security or to, uh, to, to maybe, you know, light pathways as we were discussing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, those parts I like, but it does freak me out. I, I don't know. <laughs> just, just that, you know, what my current blood pressure is would really scare me. You know what, George, if, if you have nothing to hide, if you're not doing anything wrong, you have nothing to hide. So 
You get it first, then. <laughs> All right. You're listening to AV Week with George Tucker uh, and also Steve Greenblatt from Control Concepts. Uh, this is an article that makes me happy because the FCC is the devil. Uh, from CNET, uh, Republicans are looking at slapping some limits on FCC authority, basically saying that they need to post some things uh, before they take votes on it, and also uh, limit how the FCC conducts wireless spectrum op- auctions, which is kind of why I'm talking about this. There have been a lot of hoo-ha about the wireless spectrum. Actually, uh, one of the, one of our regular contributors, Michael Drainer, did a special on white spaces with uh, with our friends over at Sennheiser. Uh, if you check out the website, AV Nation, uh, or actually, uh, uh, ravepubs.com slash AV Nation, you'll find it. Yeah, George, this is something that I wish would have been put into place about five years ago. But is it, I, I think it's a good thing that it's, you know, it's a good thing now. Or is it one of those things where the the horse and the cow have already left the barn, and now they're trying to shut the door? Well, I, I have a love hate with the FCC. I think there's certain things that they do very well. Um, Colin Powell's son, notwithstanding his tenure, I was not very happy with. But um, this doesn't seem to read right to me. If they said they would implement what they're talking about when we were and the aforementioned white spaces, I don't think the FCC would have taken the time to step back and actually look at the white spaces thing again. It would have pushed it through, say, what's the highest amount of money we can get for the spectrum? That's what we do. That dominates all. Goodbye. If they had done that, as they are stating in this article, the white spaces and our industry, at least the live entertainment industry, utilizing some form of wireless microphone intercom and systems would be gone. Gone. So I don't know what they were deciding to do. I mean, I get the shot clock. Hey, make a decision. You know, you have a certain amount of time, make a decision. But they were doing that in the white spaces scenario until finally the industry chimed up enough and loud enough, we lobbyists, who basically got their attention finally and said, you got to stop. Yeah. So I'm on, I'm on the fence here about the stuff. Look, when the FCC goes after the broadcast networks because some Yahoo on an award show let something slip that they didn't have a seven-second delay on, you know, come on, guys. It's at 9 o'clock at night. Stop it. It wasn't like they did it on Nickelodeon. But this, I'm not. Eh. Yeah. <laughs> Steve, is this is this a good thing or, or is it kind of a, eh, that's fine. They can pass another law. Yeah, I, I really, unfortunately, don't have a strong opinion about it. I, it's, it's, it, to me, I, I, uh, I feel like regulations are are always limiting. But that that actually, <laughs> as simplistic as that sounds, is profound. And you're right; they're very limiting. Darn government! All right, um, this is something, huh? Libertarians. I, you know what? <laughs> I'm not going to get into a libertarian fight with you, you Ranger fan. Um, hey, look, at least we won. Okay. okay. There it is. I wasn't going to pull it out, but you, you drew first blood there, man. <laughs> my, poor, my poor blues could not pull off a win. So, um, this is something that, that Gary actually K, uh, introduced me to this week on the, on the Daily Rave. That I went almost ballistic over this is so freaking cool. Uh, Chief introduces the industry-first program for custom preloaded AV racks. 
Now, this is not only for guys like me who work in, in, in education, but every small mom-and-pop AV house, if you're a heavy end user, this thing is freaking huge. Uh, they've had the Breck Builder um, program where basically you, it's a piece of software where you can go on Chief's website and lay out your rack and, uh, you know, they'll help you, you know, determine, you know, from, you know, uh, heats and heat load and, and how things should be stacked. Well, they've kind of upped the ante here and now they have something called uh, Chief Rack Systems Rack Builder Delivered. So, basically, you send your gear to Chief and they rack your gear for free. George, am I just a crazy end user or is this as much of a game changer as I think it is? I haven't been able to look at it too much. This is one of the articles I didn't get a chance to read totally, but it, it depends on the partnerships. Okay. If I can get what I want, and from what I see of it, it looks like a lot of it is stuff they're already affiliated with. So mm-hmm. they can say, well, you know, I don't have XYZ, but this does the same thing. And not that's not a discredit to the product that they would want to put in. Um, but there is a certain amount of brand identity that might be prohibitive here. I mean, we do, I mean, a lot of what we do in marketing or even in this industry is tied to that brand. You know, this is a Crestron system. This is an Extron system. This is a so-and-so. Um, and, and we, we sort of have a, a loyal following for that. This could be their attempt to do that, but it all depends on what I can do now. Did I understand? Did I hear you? There's a 48 hour turnaround. Did I hear that right? Did I say that? Was it was that on the original daily podcast? What was the, What's the turnaround time on this? Is it a couple of days, a week? I'm not. I don't remember. Off the I don't top remember. Of my head. Uh-uh. <clears throat> and it's, totally and it's not, and it's not in the article either. So I don't know that uh, we actually talked about that. That yeah, no, maybe. you're you're confusing another press release that came out this week. No, <laughs> uh, maybe it's possible. There's so many. Crestron released a 48 hour turnaround time on their on their RMAs. It could be that, but still. So again, it depends how long is that going to happen. Um, you know, in my world nowadays, we probably wouldn't go for it. That is the live state event staging stuff because we have our preset racks. We're mm-hmm. doing our stuff. They're not going to have partnerships with the Pandoras and Datatons and the Kuluxes of the world. Um, but uh, Steve, I'll, I'll put it to you. I'll, I'll throw the ball over to your court. Would this be a benefit to you? Would you even consider it? It, it doesn't really impact me so much, but I think it's really going to be a big impact on integrators. Honestly, I, I think that for some, it's going to help them tremendously because they were not going to have to employ as many people. And for some, it's, it may take away people's jobs. Uh, yeah. I, 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 you know, my take on it is that it's it's great. It's very innovative. It's it's another example of having value add. So you're not just selling a product; uh, you're selling a product and a service. Um, I, I I I thought it was very cool. I, and you know, what they're helping to do is streamline the whole process of of be, being able to to build your system and and get it out the door and and you know and ha- and have things done. Make you make your life easier as either a either an end user who's buying it or or an integrator. My question comes down to what happens if one piece breaks? Do they just replace it? And if you get start to get popular and you sell lots of these, what does that do one to your lead time and to the profit ratio? Yeah, uh, is it scalable for them and they can do a hundred or ten thousand, or is there some breaking point where that just doesn't work anymore? 
And I'm not sure where that is because then I could see people like AMX and Crestron and Control 4 actually doing – if this takes off, hey, we need to do something similar. But then you're employing more people at the factory to do this, and then you're sending out field techs when things don't work, and then you've got your expenses of – you know, we all know that none of these manufactured products – all work out of the box in the field immediately the day they're out of the, you know, you get them. Mm -hmm. So sometimes issues. So what happens there? Do you just sit and wait till the firmware update comes up? Or are they going to spend the money to send techs out, fly all over the place and stay at Motel 6s? What what happens there? And there's some inherent dangers in that. I, I don't know that they're responsible for the system, though, or, or any of the, the wiring. It just looks like they're responsible for delivering to you a, a populated rack ready to ready to be wired. I think that that was my understanding. I think well, one of the things I think we it's not in the article, but we talked about with with Gary was that they they can wire it for you. Um, oh wow! But I mean, Gary, George's to George's point, I think some of that and actually Steve's some of that is they're not responsible for the components themselves. I mean, you're buying the components. I'm I'm buying the you know the uh, the control processor and the and the switcher and stuff like that. And if it doesn't work out of the box, let's say. Then you, you you would have to be you know contacting whoever you bought it from whether that's you know it, whether it's Steve and, and he has a direct relationship with Crestron or it's me and I have to go back through my integrator you know yeah and you're back to the thousand phone calls for one product you're not going to go back to the main <laughs> guy right I yeah. mean there is an advantage to the big you know all inclusive ecosystem companies that I get one call. You know, when your iPad doesn't work with the control system, you call the control system company and they go, aha, we're going to help you. It's not our product, but we're going to try our best. Yeah. If that doesn't happen here, then you're you're really spending more time. If you've got less employees, as Steve said, possibly uh, you're back to where you could really lose money very quickly if your ratios or your, your profit lines are very tight. Yeah, that's, that's something I didn't think about. Uh, absolutely something I didn't think about because I was I saw this and I'm going, holy cow. You know, do you know how many hours you just saved me? Um, but I didn't think about the whole troubleshooting end of that. And if, if something doesn't work, you're right. Then you're, you know, then you're stuck using up some of those hours you just freed me up on. So, um, right. Well, it's, it's, it's like the, uh, the joke about the waiter with the, uh, the soup, right? You know, that one waiter taste the soup. What's wrong with it, sir? No waiter taste the soup. No. What's wrong with it, sir? Just tell me what's wrong. Just taste the soup. Okay. Where's the spoon? Aha. Oh, jeez. But that's the scenario you get into, right? You need to get better material. I'm here all week. I'm going to buy you a joke book for your birthday. Uh, that would be George <laughs> Tucker. He is from World Stage. Did you guys get a new Facebook page? Yes. Well, they Facebook uh, pushed the timeline on us, and we've been we've been mucking with it. Okay. Yes, at uh, World Stage Inc. There you Facebook. go. Facebook.com slash World Stage Inc. And, and your, your, uh, your web page is what still? WorldStage.com. There you go. He is from worldstage.com. Also, uh, his personal ramblings and wanderings through the world is uh, tucker2s.typepad.com. Did I get that right? Yes, indeed. Wow. Nice. Uh, you get a gold star on the forehead. You know what? It only takes me nine months. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, if you'd like to follow him on Twitter, it is at tucker2s. Do you have anything to uh, pimp or promote there, sir? Uh, no, that uh, not the moment. Actually, surprisingly, so. All right. Uh, one of George's shows. George does uh, about fifteen different shows for for the whole AB Nation guys. One of them we'll post this Wednesday. Uh, the um, uh, 
18th of, of April, uh, the April edition of DIY will we'll post. Thank so. you for reminding me. I completely forgot that that was coming up. Um, yes, I, and we have to next week that we have to record. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, but those don't post till the following, so shh, don't yeah. mention that. Shh. Um, Steve, uh, which ones are we doing next week? Social, that's right. Um, and live live. We're doing live. Oh, geez. I got to check my calendars. <laughs> um, Steve Greenblatt is not on live life, but uh, if you'd like to be, you can, because apparently I've forgotten. Um, he is the president and founder of Control Concepts, controlconcepts.net. Uh, anything you would like to uh, promote there, sir? i uh, just looking forward to seeing some of the audience at the at Infocom. I'll be there, even though Xtron won't be, and I uh, have a <laughs> couple of seminars that I'll be doing and you, you can find them uh, just by searching my name on the Infocom show site. And uh, which two of those and are those, is that on Super Tuesday or you got, you have two classes, right? Yeah, one's on the Thursday that week and one's on Friday. Uh, one has to do with profitability through control system programming and the other one has to do with energy management with control system programming, shockingly enough. Very cool. All right, so check that out. If you're going to Infocom, uh, go check out one of uh, or both of Steve's um, classes. If you haven't signed up for Infocom, please do so quickly. It's coming up actually uh, two months from this next week. Um, if you'd like to see extra, <laughs> go to NAB. So um, my name is Tim Albright. If you would like to follow me, oh, uh, Steve's uh, Twitter, if you're, if you're interested, is Steve Greenblatt, at Steve Greenblatt. Pretty simple. Um, mine is uh, at TD Albright, Tim David Albright. Uh, but more importantly, uh, go to the website, check out uh, the DIY show that posts this Wednesday and all of our other stuff, including this show and past episodes of it. You can hear the first time Steve was on or the first time George was on for that matter. <laughs> um, the website zero. is zero, 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 zero. Yeah. Um, that was a long time ago. Uh, uh, go to the website ravepubs.com forward slash avnation. Ravepubs.com forward slash avnation. Thank you so much for listening. That's all the time we have for AV Week. 